Hi, I'm Dr. Mitch Harlan, and welcome to the Truth Talks Podcast. Today's episode, I have Ian Sturgeon. Ian, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Fantastic, man. I want to I open this segment. Uh, I want to let everybody know, number one, that I found you. I contacted you for a couple of reasons. I know some people in common with you. But more importantly, uh, I see a product that you're bringing out, which is a new shoe. Go ahead and tell everybody the name of that shoe. So that's a, I had a really hard time naming the shoe because a lot of great names were already taken. Uh, it's a minimalist running shoe, and um, I wanted to call it Function, but my friend said, hey, I want a pair of Funks. And so that's how the name developed. Uh, he, we uh, decided to call it Funk, which is short for Function, and that's, it's where fun meets function. And I love it. And and so I we had a little bit of a pre-interview call, which I do with everybody, just to kind of see where the story goes and the storyline goes. I had a little bit of uh, knowledge of you before. And so when I ran across your story, I'm thinking, you know what? This guy actually, his entire program that he's doing, the product that he's developing is exactly what I've been trying to tell people. Find a passion, find a product, do something that's going to make you a lot of money and something that you absolutely enjoy. So you actually epitified all the stuff that I have been talking to parents and different friends about. So we're going to get into this just a little bit. The first thing is, you're like a super smart dude. Uh you 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 are one of those uh you're one of those guys that guys like me always turn to and said, "Hey, how does this work?" right? So we're going to talk a little bit about music. We're going to talk a little bit about um, who you were prior to, and then we're going to end up in funk shoes, and I think this is going to be the next big shoe. So give me kind of that that drawdown of who Ian Sturgeon is. Yeah, so I am uh, I'm a father. I've got four kids. I've got a beautiful wife, Debbie, and um, it's been a very long road getting to where I am and um, and my wife supported me through all the, all the the weird things that I've done. But really I started out, I wanted to be in radio. I saw the movie Private Parts with Howard Stern back in the day. And I thought that's what I wanna do with my life. Mind you, this was a very different time in my life. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I got, I got into radio, got on the air and realized that not only did, was I not very good on the air, I also hated being on the air because I couldn't I couldn't take back mistakes if I made a mistake. And so I found the production room and started selling uh, sound effects and music to other producers around the country. And um, it, that that business got fair. I got fairly um, a lot of distribution in that business. But um, anyway, if you've listened to the radio for the in the past 20 years, maybe more than two stations, you probably heard something that I made. I won't bore you with all the business models in, in radio and things like that. But I'll, let's just say I didn't pick the right business model. And so even though I was making all of these elements and selling them to producers all around the country and everybody liked my stuff, I really wasn't getting paid that much. And um, so I, I remember just this weird feeling. It was when my company first started and I was having to like moonlight just to keep the lights on and pay all the bills. And I remember working in a factory setting when I was scheduled to go speak on stage at a radio conference as an authority on the subject later. And I'm just like, something isn't right here. You know, something's not lining up because I'm supposed to be this respected guy. And I, uh, you know, the, the just having trouble putting everything together. So. 
This is why I love your story, to be honest with you, right? Like on one side, you're on the stage, you're this incredible authority in what it is you've done. And the other side, you're like, wait a minute, this, this isn't paying off, right? But you didn't stop there. Yeah. So I, because of my background and just learning how to sell things on the internet, uh, a friend of mine had started an e-commerce company called Boulder Band Headbands. And uh, I just, you know, written some things that he thought was that were hilarious and, uh, um, so he decided to hire me as a copywriter and then um, later on as a video editor for Boulder Band Headbands. And so I was part of that team and learned all about like what I didn't know about e-commerce. Like he he really taught me the the power of paid traffic and leveraging Facebook advertising and and copywriting and email and all of that just got way better. And video editing, because I was in radio, was just a different shaped ball. And I was able to just continue to, to hone my skills. And that company was so awesome. Uh, JD and Amy did a great job with it. And I was able to be on that team to help them scale well into the seven figure range and to win the Shopify build a business competition that year. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So, Which is always interesting, right? So you, this is what I, what I usually talk to about uh, with a lot of people. There's, there's a product, there's an idea, but everybody gets into that stumbling block of how do we go to the next level? Even here at Truth Talks, we, we brought our product online and most of our conversations go to how do we go to that next level? Yeah, so I'm leaving out huge chunks of my story because I'm sort of a serial entrepreneur, but I also started our town's first CrossFit gym. And so I was seeing, as I was working for Boulder Band Headbands, I was seeing these big, bold patterns on, on headbands that these ladies were wearing. And I was also I also owned the CrossFit gym. And so I thought, well, what if I could create a jump rope that you could mix and match colors and put patterns on and, and all these things? And so I, I started another company that sold jump ropes to CrossFitters. And that was, was my company. And I bootstrapped that to and it, up to this seven-figure range. And just had a lot of fun with that company as well. And, and did that for quite a few years, actually. I, I was at the end of it, I think I, I'd owned it for six years. So, uh, but started to get burned out and still was, was just kind of missing something. I felt like I wasn't able to be authentic with my audience. And so there was just something missing there. So authentic with your audience or are you just a serial entrepreneur and you got to have one more thing, the next big thing? Well, there's some of that too, you know, <laughs> um, but uh I, you know, a lot of our clients were were women. And so I, I just felt this disconnect of like, I couldn't really be me in front of everybody in the company and things like that. And so um, anyway, I, I think all of that was was just imposter syndrome, honestly. But, um, but anyway, long story short, at the end of the day, I sold it and it was a really great experience. I loved every minute of it. Um, even though, you know, at the end of it, I was I was starting to kind of just question what to what was going to be next and what I could do to grow the company. So, so would you say that your brain, like, are, are you constantly just looking around for new things, new products, new things to design, create? I mean, is that, is that something that's just inside you? Absolutely. So um, I, I have ideas all the time. And honestly, when I sold my, my last company, it exposed a little bit of arrogance in me because people would be like, well, what are you going to do next? And I thought, <laughs> I'll do whatever I want, you know, <laughs> like I have all these ideas. Right. But, you know, discovered uh, recently that, yeah, not all of those ideas are great ideas. Um, and so, you know, you just I think the I'm sure you've heard the expression fail fast. 
which is, you know, see if something gets traction. And if it's not, if it's not going anywhere, it's crickets, it's time to move on. And so there were a few of those uh, uh, cricket ideas in the, in the past year or so, but, but yeah, I love ideas. I think about ideas all the time. Um, I have this favorite quote of mine, which is like, um, just imagine something that would be wonderful if it was only possible and then set out to make it possible. So that that's, that's kind of my, my mantra. Like, well, I just try to think of things that I would love or that would be really neat and could um, impact the world in a, in a good way. And then I try to, to make those things possible. So. This is exactly why I wanted to have you on because uh, you know, in my day, you can obviously camera catches my gray hair pretty easy because I don't have any black ones left, but it's, um, it was different. You know, we, you know, you were sold, Hey, you either get a trade, go to college, work that job, try and save up enough money where you don't starve when you get old, you know, and it, it's different now. And even though I'm, I'm up there, I kind of, I, I like to keep my finger on the pulse of what's really going on in the world. And that way, when people do, when we run shows or whatever, we want to, we want it to be very valuable. And I think you just said something wickedly valuable, which is Fail fast. I, I actually like that. I, I like that term. I, I've got a friend who his his son is sort of spinning his wheels and not really, really doing anything in his life right now. And uh, he said something that I thought was so funny. He, he said, just go do something, anything, go fail at something, you know, but do something, you know. And I think that that's key is, you know, not uh, it, it doesn't matter I think sometimes it doesn't matter which direction you pick, just that you pick a direction and you go for it. You know, I mean, uh, one of the greats, uh, and he's a little older too, but I, I love him. That's Jordan Peterson's, you know, it's his whole thing, right? Go do something. Either fail at it or, or try again, but do something. And it, that's great. I, 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 that, was, that was some great advice right there. So then all of a sudden you come up with this idea of a shoe. Mm -hmm. Take us into funk shoes now. Yeah, so I was uh, I, I've been a runner forever. I ran in high school. I ran recreationally as an adult, all those things. And um, long long time ago, I read this book called Born to Run and discovered that I really enjoyed barefoot running, uh, which is basically wearing a shoe that that has almost nothing to it. It's designed to act like you're barefoot, and so. Um, I started running, it changed my running stride. It helped me avoid in injuries. It made me a faster runner to run that way. And uh, so I've been just wearing these minimalist barefoot shoes forever. But the other, the other day I was, I was going through my closet. I had an event coming up that I was gonna have to do some running. It was, a, our town has this event called the manhunt and you take high school kids, try to sneak from the high school to another location in our town. And you got to chase them around and tag them. And so I was trying to pick out a pair of shoes for this event. And I just realized I hate every single shoe in my closet. It's either not great for running or it's great for running, but it's ugly and embarrassing to wear. And I hated every single shoe that I had. Obviously, I loved little specific things about them, you know, um, but uh, I thought, what if I could just take all the best elements of all these shoes and put it into the perfect barefoot running shoe? And so that's what, uh, that's what we're working on. So, and how, how does a person even go about that? Who do you call? I mean, you just start looking on the internet for suppliers. You just, uh, start looking at, uh, at manufacturers and start looking at little pieces of things they've made of like, okay, I like the way that one looks. 
okay, I like the way this sole, um, that the, they made this sole, but I hate that shoe, you know? So you start combining these things and start asking questions like, hey, could you put this with this? And um, at the end of the day, you know, you're probably in it for a few weeks looking around for somebody who can help you and asking a bunch of dumb questions and looking like a noob. But, you know, at the end of the day, you, you figure it out. So. Well, you know, that it, it is kind of interesting because as I was kind of preparing for your segment, I went through a couple different shoe brands and I thought this was really interesting. Um, even Nike, you know, one of the biggest shoe companies in the world, if not the biggest shoe company in the world, which I assume it probably is. It was really interesting how many people said this won't work. Uh, this is a bad idea. You know, when they were going to get their first uh, major athlete to, to do that. Uh, I even looked up there were Tom shoes, which, um, I happen to know quite a bit about that. And their whole marketing campaign was, you know what, let's give away a pair. We'll build a pair. We'll give away a pair. But the, what is interesting is how many people, when a shoe company first started getting, getting going, how many people were just like, nah, I don't think that'll work. I don't think that'll work. And then, you know, literally me and producer Chad, we sit around our Hey dudes all the time. Right. Cause, uh, it's just something that is kind of like a slipper. It felt good. Uh, you know, you either like the looks or you don't like the looks, but I wanted to catch a story and this is why this one really hit me hard. Plus I knew you or knew of you. This one has a lot of potential because you also have that driving factor and know how to scale up these companies. So how do you, once you get this product done, how do you then scale that to the world? Well, I think the the biggest thing that you always face when you're trying to get something out of the world is just can you sell one to a stranger? And um, that's always the the first obstacle. And something if you if you can't cross that, then you're dead in the water. So putting it out there, like everybody around you, all your friends, all your family will tell you that something is a great idea, but until you can get dollars into your pocket for an, from an absolute stranger. Um, you don't really have an idea. And so uh, those are the things, that's the first step to growing and um, scaling something up. And then every, after that, then if you can use paid advertising to scale up a product and pour a little bit of gasoline on it and still get, you know, the, you're getting a return on that investment, that's how you scale things. And so give us a little bit of the technology behind the shoe, because it is very interesting, actually. Yeah, so um, we're just starting with a, a very flat zero drop rubber sole. And so what that means is uh, you don't have an elevated heel that you see in a lot of, of running shoes. Uh, what that heel does is it allows you to overstride and um, strike the, the ground with your heel as you run. A barefoot running shoe, you want to land on your midfoot. And so we take away that heel, it doesn't exist, and you end up running what you should end up running with a, a midfoot strike that's more under your body. So that's why we, we do that. Then we also have a, uh, I hated tying my shoes. And that's one of the reasons why I wore shoes that I hated. It was just so convenient. You could just slip on your hey dudes and walk out the door. So we have optional stretchy laces. So um, our shoe can be very convenient. Uh, that's another thing that we wanted to include. And um, the, uh, the thickness of the sole is also important. It's just a five millimeter thickness. So it feels very much like you're barefoot. But if you step on a rock or a piece of broken glass or something, it's not going to tear you up. 
and then also the if you go to the site it's very customizable so we put a lot of style into the equation we wanted something that people would like wearing at the grocery store and at the gym and at the office so you can design design a shoe that is something that you enjoy something that looks just like you want it to so so again, this is this is just so unique to me because obviously I know you're going to scale this thing and we're going to see these funk shoes. And, and as I told you before, I wanted to be able to walk in the store and be like, hey, you know what? We were kind of a part of this funk shoe and it was just taken off. But here's, here's something I want to ask you. So I know Producer Chad and myself, we both had kids about the same age. You know, the new Nike pandas, the new whatever else that, that's out there. And these kids are really into this stuff. What's the difference between saying, hey, I want somebody to come out with a new shoe and building your own? Like, I want I want kids to realize, young people, not necessarily super young kids, but young people, you know, you take a guy like you and you decide, I'm going to make my own shoe. I mean, what where does that mentality come from? You know, I think a lot of it came from uh, my, my mom made me believe I could do anything. That may not have been true, but she made me believe it, <laughs> right? And so... Um, I, I really had that feeling as a kid. And, um, and if somebody's grown up and they didn't maybe have a supportive parent like that, that, that made them feel like that, just think like all these people, I mean, I don't care if you're talking about congressmen, senators, whoever they are, they're just people. They're just guys, right? That thought the only reason they're in the position they're in is they thought, yeah, I can do that, you know? And so if, if somebody can do that, if somebody can build a shoe company, another person can build a shoe company, right? And so so whatever it is, just I, I think it, the biggest thing is commitment to just step into it and just know that you're going to keep stepping into it unless there's something that absolutely prevents you from doing it. So, you know, in the past in different companies, I've had threats of lawsuits or huge uh, supply chain issues, something like that. But if you just keep on stepping in, and in showing up and doing whatever you can do, you're going to be the guy that started a shoe company or, a, you know, a, a whatever, whatever it is, any e-commerce company or really any product, a store, a, a, an organization, you're going to be that guy because you're the guy that showed up and just kept on taking steps toward it. So it really is that easy, too. I mean, it, it really is. You hear it from everybody who's been successful like yourself. That That's what you always hear. Tell me this, from from the crazy thought in your head to actually having the shoe on the internet, how long was that process? Gosh. So l- let me preface this by saying this is something I've done before. So the, the, the time was shortened because I knew where to go and where to find things and stuff like that a little bit. But I would say about six weeks uh, is about what uh, what it took to to find a manufacturer, to get it on the Internet, to start, um, you know, to design the shoe and make sure that it can do everything we wanted it to do. Um, But like I said, that that process was shortened because I knew how to do that already. The first time I did it, I think I was at it three months before I found a supplier that could, could do everything that I wanted to do. And how much due diligence do you have to do? Like uh, when when you're when you're looking at different manufacturers, and obviously you're going to scale this thing to super big and signing contracts. This is probably for the maybe the person that's just kind of uh, uh, really designing a company and without these pitfalls. How do you protect yourself legally and all of that? 
Yeah, um, that's a, a great question for a lawyer. But uh, for me, I, I kind of just go for things. And uh, I, a lot of times I'm ready, fire, aim, honestly. Um, but I think that there are some things that you can do that are they are sort of guerrilla tactics for vetting manufacturers and things like that. Um, one of the things that I thought was so ninja that I heard uh, years ago was say, you tell them that you'd like to come visit the factory. And if they start backpedaling and say like, oh no, we're not set up for that. Or we, you know, we don't want any of that. Then that's, that's kind of a red flag. Um, and then other things is just, you know, asking them for, for examples of products that they've produced for other people, things like that. And you're going to start to to get a really good feel for whether they're professionals and they do this all the time, or if they're feeding you a line of BS and um, and you know that they're not a great choice. I, I think that's harder to do the less you know about um, an industry or a product or anything like that. So um, I've had some some times where I hired somebody. This was a, for a uh, a software product, an app, and I kind of got hosed. And so. There is risk. You have to go in and uh, know that things could fall apart. But those are just some basic tactics that I've used in the past. So, how how much money are you, is a person talking to develop a shoe? I mean, we don't we won't necessarily say yours because I know that's probably inside company secrets. But if a, if a person was going to design a shoe, what what kind of money would they need? I would say that you are. I mean, I, I would say that you probably need. Uh, mid five figures to get something on the market is what I would say. Yep. That's actually less than I thought. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's probably why I never started a shoe company before <laughs> because it sounds, it sounds like something that's very unattainable. And uh, um, once I started digging, I thought, huh, I can actually do this. So. Well, fantastic. Well, I, I tell you, I Ian, I, I really wanted to run this show. I wanted to give people some nuggets. I think he gave a lot of really cool nuggets, and I, I'm really super excited to see these funk shoes. And, and again, just knowing your past and knowing how you take things and drive them to the to the upper limits, uh, this is going to be real fun for us to watch. I'm I'm really excited, and then I can't wait for uh, Produce Chad and myself to get our pair of shoes. We're really excited about that. I think I want white. I don't know what color you want, but we're we're stoked, man. I'm stoked too. I, everybody that I've talked to, it's been really well received, um, which is also a good sign that people aren't throwing rocks at your idea and, uh, and getting behind it, supporting it. Yeah. We're super excited. Well, I tell you what, thank you so much for coming on our show. And I know we're going to end up running a, a second part to this thing, uh, to see all the success, but, uh, wow, that's, that's just amazing. It's amazing to take an idea and watch something go to that whole next level. Well, it's been an honor to be on your show, and I absolutely am excited to uh, to see where this thing goes and and be back on if you'll have me. So, oh, I absolutely will. And tell us here before we leave, how do people go on and find Funk Shoes? It's uh, funkshoes.com, and you can just follow your nose there and design a custom pair of barefoot shoes. All right, Ian, thank you so much, buddy, for coming on our show. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, bud. 